Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. We will continue once again on the subject of faith. And this is part two of Keys to Overcoming Faith. Let me say a few things concerning the value and the importance of our faith so that um, we may grasp uh, something that hopefully will encourage us to look at the subject of faith closely, study the scriptures for yourself, meditate on them, and um, and allow the Lord to develop and to grow your faith and take it to another level. The New Testament says that in several places that we are saved through faith. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. We also read that we overcome by faith. Faith enables us to overcome the world and everything the enemy throws against us. Our faith is sufficient to enable us to overcome. Scriptures also say that we stand by faith. We walk by faith. We eat and drink by faith. We understand by faith. And what's more important, whatever is not of faith Romans 14 verse 23 says, is sin. In other words, anything that does not originate from faith, it is not acceptable with God. And he's talking about if you eat with, uh, with, uh, with the condemnation or your conscience doesn't allow you or forbids you to eat certain things, yet you go ahead and you eat in doubt. Uh, He says, that is sin, and that's where that verse comes from, whatever is not of faith is sin, Romans 14 and verse 28. So, as you can see, that our faith in God is so valuable, so precious. In fact, Peter says that it is more precious than gold. Faith unlocks a world of unlimited possibilities and connects us to the realm of the supernatural. Jesus said in Matthew 17, verse 22, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it will obey you, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So that tells me that my faith in God unlocks a world of unlimited possibilities and connects me to the realm of the supernatural. Faith is also the master key of the kingdom of God, and with it we can unlock any door in the kingdom. And the Bible tells us that the kingdom of God has unlimited resources, from wisdom to knowledge to understanding to provision to protection to health to longevity, All of these blessings are made available to us through our faith. I compare faith uh, to the currency of the earth is money, but the currency of heaven is faith. Amen? Would you agree with that statement? Jesus placed high value on faith. Why do I say that? Because often in the Gospels, you will hear the Lord Jesus commending and praising individuals for their faith. He said to the woman with the issue of blood, your faith has saved you. He said about the centurion that he has not seen such great faith in all of Israel. And he was He was uh, communicating that to his disciples. He said to the Syrophoenician woman, whose daughter was healed, he said, Woman, great is your faith. 
So we see the Lord Jesus commending and praising people for their faith. And then we see him also rebuking others for the lack of faith. And how often the Lord rebuked his disciples for their lack of faith. But he said, where is your faith? You of little faith. Therefore, we draw the conclusion that we should not only study the subject of faith diligently and prayerfully, but also learn to be comfortable with it and to walk by faith. We need our faith, especially in the days that we are living in, to be active and working at a maximum capacity. Why? Because we live in a hostile world. It's filled with evil and turmoil and days of strife and temptation. But the Bible says our faith in God overcomes the world. And this is the victory, John says, that overcomes the world, even our faith. And finally, we need to understand that our faith was delivered to us primarily not just for ourselves to be blessed, but to be a blessing to humanity, to exercise our faith, to engage God and bless other people. Everyone in our sphere of influence, we can exercise our faith, believe God for them, pray for them, minister to them and bless them through our faith. So, we are to take our faith and extend the influence of God's kingdom in all of our spheres of influence. That's how the kingdom of God grows, is extended and is established through our connection to God. Now, let me uh, read two verses of scripture and then we will go into the lesson today. The one is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. And I'm reading from the New King James Version. And the other one, uh, the other verse of Scripture that I'm, I'm going to read to you is also from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. But we're going to read that in the New Living Translation. And this is our foundational Scriptures because we are speaking about uh, keys uh, to overcoming faith. Here Paul is writing to the Thessalonians, and among other things he says to them, For what thanks can we render to God for you, for all the joy with which we rejoice for your sake before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we may see your face and perfect what is lacking in your faith. The English Standard Version says that we may supply what is lacking in your faith. The New Living Translation says it this way, How we thank God for you, because of you we have great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again, to fill the gaps in your faith. Fill the gaps in your faith. Obviously, Paul writing to the Thessalonians said that there are gaps in your faith. And I want to come and see you face to face and minister to you, instruct you, teach you, in order that those gaps may be filled, or rather perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So last Sunday... I taught on the three spiritual ingredients which are necessary to be present if our faith is to be effective and productive. Now, if you haven't heard that teaching, it's been uploaded up. It's on YouTube as well. You can go there and listen to it because we don't have the time to go into that today. These three ingredients are vitally important to work together with our faith. And these are knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And I explained the value of each one of them, which must accompany our faith, if it is to be fruitful, if it is to be productive in advancing the kingdom of God. Knowledge 
encourage and inspires confidence to ask and receive from God. Understanding establishes us in our faith, and the wisdom of God delivers us a plan of action for every situation that we find ourselves in, gives us a strategy by which we obtain the victory. So today, I want to share with you another important key that must accompany our faith if it's to produce the results that we desire. And that is the spiritual force of patience. Or another version says endurance. Let me give you, uh, let me read a verse of scripture and then I will give you the definition of these two words. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 12 from the New King James Version says the following, that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Notice what the writer to the Hebrew says. It is through faith and patience that we inherit the promises. Now, the New Living Translation, Hebrews 6.12, says it this way. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Here, it uh, translates it endurance. Let me read to you another verse of Scripture from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 35 and 36. Speaking to believers, he says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence or your faith, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. The New King James says that he translates the word endurance to patience. For you have need of patience, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So basically, he's communicating the same principle, patient endurance. Let me give you the definition of patience. The definition of patience has two, I believe, uh, definitions. One is the ability to patiently wait for something. The other definition is to continue doing well despite difficulties or to suffer without complaining or becoming annoyed. It is the capacity for calmly enduring painful and trying situations. Another definition of patience is the quiet and steady perseverance. Now, here's a definition for endurance. Endurance is the ability to endure an unpleasant or difficult process or situation without giving way or giving up. That's endurance. It is also the ability to withstand hardship or adversity. Endurance holds us steady in our faith while we wait for God to bring forth the promise. It is the stabilizing force that continues to help us keep the switch of faith on. That's endurance. In other words, faith, endurance or patience it undergirds our faith. It comes beneath our faith and undergirds it so that we do not become weary and discouraged in our mind to the point where we give up and we walk away. And that's a spiritual force. In fact, is one of the fruits of the Spirit, patience. Now, the Bible says concerning Abraham that he patiently endured in order to obtain the promise. Abraham didn't receive the promise overnight. He didn't receive it in five years, not in 10 years. I believe he patiently waited for 25 years before that promise came to pass. 
And you know, when it comes to the kingdom of God, nothing works instantaneously. Nothing happens overnight. And when, when nothing happens, when we prayed, we believed, we committed to God, we are called to faithfully endure, persevering until the promise is manifested. Hebrews 6, 13 verse, uh, through to 15 says concerning Abraham, for when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself saying, surely blessing I will bless you, multiplying I will multiply you. And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. Here you see he uses two words, patience and endurance, which basically is the same. Abraham, after patiently enduring, he obtained the promise. And so our faith needs the spiritual force of endurance in order not to give up, not to walk away, to bring forth the promise. You see, faith alone will not do it. We need to understand that when it comes to the principles of God, no principle works in isolation. We find various principles in the kingdom working together to produce the desired result. Faith works with patience. Faith works with wisdom, with knowledge, with understanding. The Bible says that faith works by love. You see? So there are various principles that work together, not one in isolation. You will always find that in the scriptures. So, let's go on. You see, I believe, I don't know through the years that I've studied the Word and I've tried to listen to the Lord for myself, I've heard uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 many times. Son, you have need of patience. You have need of endurance. And I believe this is an area in our walk of faith where all of us need to grow and develop in the area of endurance. Do you agree with me? So often we get impatient with God, we get impatient with people, and uh, we lose our cool uh, because, uh, because the level of our endurance is still hasn't developed, hasn't grown. There is area for growth in every sphere of our lives. And that's one area. If our faith is to work and be effective, this is one area that we need to grow in and develop. But Lord, when? Well, that's a good question. While you wait, you endure. You believe. You don't give up on your faith. You don't give up on the Word. You don't walk away and say, well, this is not working for me. I'm tired of believing. I'm tired of, of waiting on God. I've waited so many years and all of that. You know, there are some promises in my life that took 25 years to come to pass. And we need to understand that when it comes to walking the walk of faith and walking with God, we need to understand that in the kingdom, nothing happens overnight. There is a process that we must go through. There are certain things we can't handle yet and God will not give it to us. Amen? We ask for things that so often we cannot manage. And God is not going to give you what you cannot manage. Only what you can manage. So he waits until you develop in your management skills, in your endurance levels, and then he gives it to you because he knows you're going to manage it accurately and faithfully. So, James chapter 1, verse 3 and 4 from the New Living Translation says this concerning endurance. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Remember what Paul said to the Philippians? I want to come and see you face to face to do what? To perfect and complete that which is lacking in your faith. James is saying the same thing. He says, when your faith is being tested, when you're going through a trial, you need to know and understand that your, your endurance at that time has an, has an opportunity to grow. So he says, let it grow. 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, in other words, mature and complete, and you will be needing nothing. Isn't that a wonderful encouragement here from James? That's why he says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you fall into various tests and trials. Why do I count it joy? Ah, now I understand. Because when I'm faced with a trial and I exercise my faith, I know that my endurance has an opportunity or my patience to grow through that trial. So I let it grow. I don't complain. I don't murmur. I humble myself and I wait patiently on God. And that's what uh, the Lord wants us to do. So, the faith that endures hardship and adversity and opposition and suffering without giving up or giving in is a faith that overcomes. Faith that overcomes. And that's what we're talking about. Keys to overcoming faith. Now, let's look at some examples from the Scripture, from the Bible, of people who patiently endured hardship, opposition, affliction, before they received the promise. And Joseph is the first one who comes to mind. Remember Joseph? God gave him a dream. He gave him a vision. He gave him a promise while he was asleep in his father's tent as a, very, as a young man. But Joseph's faith in God endured many hardships. You know the story. Much adversity. Betrayed by his own flesh and blood. Sold into slavery. Yet in all of that suffering, hardship, opposition, his faith did not fail him and his trust in God, but brought him through victoriously until the promise was fulfilled. And I think at the age of 30, maybe he endured for 15 years, he, he was elevated to the uh, prime minister of Egypt. That is endurance, folks. Can you imagine the faith of this young man? He had no Bible. He had no church to go to, no fellowship, no one to talk to. He was all alone. He was in a foreign and godly land serving Potiphar. He had no Christian fellowship, no, no, no one to encourage him in his faith. So obviously this young man must have received an excellent education in his father's house. He was taught. There's no other explanation. He endured. Now, how can a man like Joseph, endure such hostility, such betrayal, such adversity, without wavering. We don't read once concerning Joseph that he complained or he was discouraged. But whenever you, you see Joseph in Genesis, he says, and God was with him, and God was with him. Wherever God placed him, God was with him. He prospered. Why did he prosper? Because he had an unwavering trust and faith in God refusing to give up on God's promise. What was the secret? The key to such kind of faith is endurance. Such faith, as Peter says, it is far more precious than fine gold. So, what are we learning from this? As disciples of Christ, the Bible encourages us to imitate these giants of faith. They have gone ahead of us. They've gone before us. They left us an example to follow. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How are we to run? with endurance, with patience. And you know, there's a race set before each and every one of us. And if we're going to run this race successfully, we need to develop our ability to endure hardship, adversity, without giving up, without surrendering to the pressures of life that confronts us with from day to day. Amen? Would you say amen to that?
We need that force of endurance. You know, it's not how we start the race. You've heard that many times. It's how we finish it. I was reading earlier on an excerpt from uh, John Bevere's uh, post on Facebook that the study shows that 75% of church leaders, they start well, but they finish badly. 75%. That's shocking. They don't end up well. Well, there are things that lack in their faith. One of them is the fear of the Lord. The other is endurance. So let me say this to you and being vulnerable. Many times in my walk of faith in the ministry, I came close to walking away as a result of pressure and adversity. What held me up was only the grace and the mercy of God that kept me rooted and planted in the place where God placed me. I didn't run. Well, to be perfectly honest, once I walked away from the assignment that God called me to do here in Cape Town when it comes to the local church, and I remember the day. It was Sunday, the 30th of June, 1995. That Sunday, I closed down the church. I said to the people, guys, we're closing down our ministry. I'm going to join another church. What brought me back to that assignment was only the mercy and the grace of God. And I continued the work which was originally assigned to me. The pressure, the weight, the opposition, Sometimes you, you say, Lord, I can't take any more of this. It's too much. But thank God for his word that encourages us. Thank God for the spirit of God who comes alongside and ministers to us encouragement. One of the verses of scripture that came very close to my heart when I was going through this is from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where the word says, God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted or tried beyond what you're able to bear. But with the temptation, with the trial, he will make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Amen. God is faithful. He knows your strength. He knows your abilities and is not going to allow a test that you cannot endure. So, in that state of weakness, in that state of, um, of, of pressure where you, you, you feel so helpless, there is only one thing to do, and that is to throw ourselves on the mercy of God and trust Him with our life, with our future, with our children, and the outcome of that situation, whatever it may be. Paul talks about this kind of pressure. In the second epistle to the Corinthians, he said, we, we came close to death. In other words, he says, we despaired even of life. We had the, the death sentence in ourselves. Where is that? Well, that's one Corinth 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the affliction and oppressing distress which befell us in the province of Asia how we were so utterly and unbearably weighed down and crushed that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we felt within ourselves that we had received the very sentence of death. But that was to keep us, notice what he says, from trusting in and depending on ourselves instead of depending on God who raises the dead. What is the purpose of pressure? What is the purpose of adversity? There are two, two things here that we need to consider. It's a twofold purpose. The purpose of pressure and adversity is to develop our endurance, and the other is to transition us from self-reliance, self-confidence, to trusting in the Lord and relying only on Him and Him alone. Did you get that? So when pressure comes, remember, as a twofold purpose, developing our endurance and transitioning us from trusting in ourselves or relying in our abilities, relying on, in our gifts on our own natural wisdom, 
divorcing us from that and transitioning us to trusting and relying only in the Lord and Lord alone. And that's the purpose of adversity. So I also want to mention this. It's very important. There are times in our walk of faith in which we are called to fight and resist. But there are also times in which we are called to release the situation and fully surrender to the Lord so that he can fight our battles on his own terms and in his own way. Did you get that? God will fight for you if you surrender and commit to him and rest in his faithfulness. So there comes a time where, we, Lord, I, there's nothing I can do about this situation. I've tried everything I know, but I'm surrendering this to you. I'm surrendering the situation. I'm committing to you. I'm committing the person. I'm releasing it to you. I'm casting all my care upon you. And I'm trusting you to fight my battle on, in your own terms and your own way. Let me give you a biblical example here of what I'm talking about. David and King Saul. This is a good example of what I'm talking to you about. David was chased down, though he was innocent, and pursued by King Saul. Saul wanted to kill him. He was jealous. David had to run and hide in the hills and in the caves for years because there was nothing he could do. Why he was nothing he could do? Even though he was given opportunities to kill his enemy, to kill Saul, he said he refused and he would not lift his hand against God's anointed, even though he had opportunities to end his life. So what was he doing? He was enduring. He was hiding from Saul. And he was often in despair of his life. You read the book of Psalms and you will see many times there where the pressure, the despair, the discouragement, the groaning arises up to God and he calls upon God because he, could, he, he came to the end of himself. And that's when he wrote those anointed and comforting psalms that we read today as he poured out his soul to the Lord. Many, many times through the years, especially during my time of persecution in Zimbabwe, that the only comfort I could find was in the book of Psalms. I couldn't even pray because of the pressure, the opposition, and the persecution. But David waited on God. He trusted in him to vindicate him. He persevered with his faith and he endured hardship, persecution until the Lord stepped in and rescued him from his enemy. And if you read the story of how King Saul died in battle with Jonathan, a messenger went to tell David that King Saul, your enemy, your arch enemy is dead. He was killed in battle. You know what David did? He pulled his sword and slew that messenger. Why? Because he, he, he loved that man. He loved King Saul. He was like his father. And he didn't even want to hear that King Saul died in battle. And he mourned for King Saul. Imagine the heart of this man. God developed him. He developed his heart he developed his endurance his patience his forgiveness his love and then he was ready to step onto the throne and be the king of israel but he went through many years of hardship and suffering without giving up god's promise that's why god calls him a man after my own heart now there's a lesson for us to learn here that sometimes there are things and situations in our journey of faith we cannot resist. We cannot fight. The more we fight, the more we kick, the worse it becomes. But rather submit and surrender to the Lord and trust Him with it. There's a great lesson for us to learn. While we wait on God to vindicate us, we endure the pressure. 
We endure the adverse circumstances that we find ourselves in without giving up, without becoming discouraged, without walking away, without complaining, without murmuring. And Jesus said something about this in Matthew's gospel. In Matthew 5.39, he said, But I tell you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other to him also. Paul writes to the Romans and says the same thing to them. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, what do you do? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head. And then he says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's another form of spiritual warfare. Isaiah, speaking into such situations, says the following. Now listen to this verse of scripture here. Isaiah chapter 50 He's, he's prophetically speaking about Jesus and the days of crucifixion. Isaiah 50 verse 5 says, The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. Nor did I turn away, but I gave my back to those who struck me, and my cheeks to those who plucked out the beard. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me. Therefore, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I will not be ashamed. This is an unwavering faith. Jesus would not be persuaded not to go to Jerusalem, even though Satan, through Peter, he tried to say, No, forbid it, Lord. You, 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 this shall not happen to you. You see, this is the strategy our Lord Jesus followed and defeated our arch enemy and all of his cohorts. This is how he defeated the enemy. He did not resist him. He submitted himself to the will of God. He trusted God. He went through that suffering, but he came out on the other side victorious, not for himself, but for us. And sometimes we need to do the same. Are you with me? And you need to discern what strategy to use in whatever situation we find ourselves in. So, Paul, looking back at the cross, he said something about Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, he says that Jesus, he was crucified through weakness, but he lives by the power of God. It doesn't end it there. He was crucified in weakness, yet he lives by the power of God. And let me say this. If we desire to live also by the power of God, the resurrected power of God, we must submit and surrender to the Lord and allow, listen carefully, the instruments of death he placed in our life to do the job. And what is the job? To crucify our flesh. To deliver us from pride, from arrogance. To enable us to be, um, how can I put it, more humble, more gentle. And to help us to transition from our self-reliance to God-reliance. That's what they're there for. They're not pleasant. I've experienced that, especially with my father-in-law. He was God's messenger to discipline me. And discipline is painful. The more I resisted, the worse it became. So we need to recognize those situations, those circumstances, even people. They are instruments in God's hands, in your own life. They are sent to do what? to help you. So we need to allow them to do the job. It could be your brother that rubs you the wrong way. It could be your pastor. It could be your employer or even your spouse. Hello. <laughs> oh, Lord, God used my wife many times to slay something in me. The other day, 
she was talking to someone and he said, well, through the years he mellowed a lot. Well, yeah, we learn. Are you still out there? Marriage will mellow you. Or you will end up on the rocks of divorce. So let me say this. The longer you rebel and kick against it, the worse it will be for you. They are there to do one thing and one thing only, and that is to perfect our faith in God and supply what is lacking. So we need to have God's perspective in every situation. And we need to see those situations or people or whoever they are or whatever it is that God has brought or allowed into our lives. We need to see them as friends and not your enemies. They may not know what they're doing, but you should. Amen. You should. Listen to this promise. We quote this promise very often. Philippians 4.19 God will supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And we refer that to financial provision. And that's accurate. That's true. But there's another interpretation of that. The Bible says we have need of endurance. You read it. We read it together. So one of the things we desperately need is endurance, is patience. So how, how is God going to supply that? Think. Your patience will not develop while everything is going fine and everything is rosy, no challenges, no trials. Amen. Patience grows when you face a fiery trial. So God is supplying what our faith needs at this time through these instruments that have been sent to crucify our flesh. Yes, you may cry out in despair. I've done that over the years. <laughs> you may pray asking God to remove this thorn from my flesh, Lord, just like Paul did. Three times, he said, I prayed and asked God Take this thorn away from me. But you will get the same answer that Paul received. Now, God did not remove the thorn from Paul's flesh, but instead, through the grace of God, the thorn taught him to rely more and more and more in God's all-sufficient grace. In fact, Paul came to the place, a wonderful place, and he says, in fact, he says, I take pleasures in infirmities. I take pleasure, he says, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. There is a lesson for us to learn, a very valuable lesson. Paul learned his lesson. He never prayed again for God to remove the thorn. You see, his attitude and mindset changed towards the thorn. And most times this is what we need. Lord, give me your perspective. That's where understanding comes in. Because when you receive the understanding of the Lord, you see things from God's point of view and not from our own selfish and self-centered point of view. He no longer saw these, this thorn. And by the way, it wasn't sickness or disease. The Bible tells us what that thorn was. It was afflictions, persecutions, distresses in every city that he went. The devil was hard after him. Why? Because he was doing something for God. He was extending the, the boundaries of the kingdom of God with the gospel. And you know, if you're not doing anything, God is not going to oppose you. I mean, rather, the devil is not going to come against you. Hello? He fiercely opposes those who are walking in faith and in obedience to God, trying to stop them or distract them. So Paul no longer saw this thorn as an obstacle to his path, but as a stepping stone to greater glory and greater victories. So here is a question. How do we respond to these uh, thorns in our own flesh that seem to constantly beset us, challenge our faith, challenge our testimony in Christ. What's our response or our attitude? Are we learning anything from them? 
Or are we going through the same trial, the same pressure, the same painful situation without learning anything? That's sad. The children of Israel, for 40 years, they went through the same painful situations, but their mind remained the same. They had a slave mentality that refused to change. And what happened? They never entered the promise. But two of them had a different mindset. Can you imagine the patience and the endurance of Joshua and Caleb waiting for 40 years? They were ready to go in and take the land. But they couldn't because the rest of the brethren were not ready. And sometimes we got to wait. We got to wait. We got to wait for others because they're not maybe not as fast as you are in their faith. So we got to wait. We can't leave them behind until God decides otherwise. That's why the Bible says, if a believing wife or a believing husband has a wife who does not believe, let him or let her remain with him. Why? There's a chance that he might get saved, but it may take longer. So wait. Don't run. Don't put him away. That's Paul's advice anyway. So, may the Lord in his infinite mercy awaken our ears just like he did for Isaiah so that we can start submitting to the process God is taking us through in order to perfect that which is lacking in our faith. Now, let me conclude with this statement. I heard the Spirit whisper these words to me as I was finishing my study on this subject. This is what he said. The people who irritate you the most, they upset you the most, are the people you need to thank God and pray for them every day. I'm going to say that again. Why are they there? <laughs> Why are they there? They're there to do a job. They're there to complete that which your faith is lacking. So he said, the people who irritate you the most, upset you the most, are the people you need the most. Because if you have everyone agreeing with you all the time, yes, 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 then you, 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 you are in danger of going astray. Not disagree for the sake of disagreement, but there are times when the people who irritate us, through them, God is trying to communicate a valuable lesson and we need to have an open ear. Amen? So he says you need to thank God and pray for them because they are there to help you develop your endurance, your long-suffering and patience. They are there to help us grow in our character and in the fruit of the Spirit. And character is very important to the Lord. Don't curse them. But thank God for them and pray for them. And let me finish with this. I caught a glimpse of an interview with Bill Johnson. Someone was interviewing him the other day. And there was a video clip on it. And the interviewer asked him, how do you deal with all this persecution that comes against you? How do you deal with all these accusations that are leveled against you and against your ministry from well-known and well-influential Christian leaders. When I heard him give an answer, I thought, my God, there's no trace of self in this man, but he's full of Jesus. With tears in his eyes and with calmness and emotion in his voice, he said that he prayed every day for those who level such attacks against him. And I quote, he say, I pray every day for them. I pray for the family. I pray for the health, the prosperity of the children, of the ministry. And I pray for the children's children so that they may leave a legacy behind that will glorify the Lord in the generations. And that's when I thought, Wow, there's no trace of self in this man, but there is lots of evidence of Jesus 
in his life. He was full of Jesus and full of the Spirit. And I believe that's where the Lord wants to bring us in order to develop that level of endurance and patience and love and character so that we would do the same in that situation. And we can do it by the all-sufficient grace of God. I trust you've learned something valuable today, especially when we go through these various tests, the various trials. They have a purpose, and God knows what He's doing, and we need to come to the place where we don't moan, we don't complain, we don't, we don't get irritated, we just submit to the Lord and trust Him, uh, and enable Him to allow Him to perfect within us that which He has been at work since the beginning of our new birth. So let's pray as we conclude uh, the lesson today. Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your anointing, for your wisdom and your understanding. We are so privileged, Lord, to have the word, privileged to have your Holy Spirit living within us, to comfort us, to guide us, to lead us, to teach us all that we need in order to grow spiritually, in order to develop in our level of endurance, in our character, in our patience, so that there's nothing lacking, nor in our faith or in our character, so that we may bring greater glory and honor and praise to your wonderful name. We ask this in Jesus' name, and we thank you for it. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.